Hello, everyone. I'm Joseph Roberson, a.k.a. Professor Joe, of both King Talk Podcast and the Professor Joe Show. And you're currently listening to the King Talk Podcast, our unapologetic and transparent discussion on any and all issues related to youth sports. If there's something you would like to hear discussed, feel free to drop us a line, shoot us a DM, and let us know on IG at King Talk Podcast. That's King Talk Podcast, one word on IG. You can also find us on Facebook at King Talk Podcast and on iHeartRadio as well as Spotify. And you can probably Google us and find us on some other outlets as well. All right, that being said, today it is my esteemed privilege. I get right in because ain't no point in wasting time with me just running off at the mouth, right? It is my esteemed privilege to welcome Colin Jamerson to the house. Thank you. Colin, we always clap for ourselves. We clap for ourselves, right? Hey, so... First thing first, like uh, Colin um, has a youth program named Game Timers. I'll tell you what's fun for me about you. So first of all, I've watched you grow up. So I remember you coming to the park to play when you were young. And I got to tell you, in my infinite wisdom, thank you, universe, I'm, <laughs> I, in my insight, you always got to know to treat people with kindness and respect because one day they go be bigger than you, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm pushing. I'm close to 50 now, and Colin is still, you know, my man that maintained his prime for dang near 20 years now looking good. I'm glad that I maintained a positive relationship with you. You turned into a remarkable young man. Thank I can't you. really. Hey, and a, um, when you were younger, and I'm going back all, all the way to at least I think in age, guesstimation you were somewhere in your early teens back then when I first watched Correct. you play ball um, you were always fundamentally sound then and it's so crazy because when someone is fundamentally sound they can step on the court and play with anybody because we were grown right and uh, and probably capable of being more physical at that point but fundamentals are fundamentals my brother and you are always fundamentally strong and uh, and competitive so, you know, it was nice seeing you grow into a young man and see you prosper and, and build something for yourself in the game, you know? Uh, I mean, it's just really a privilege to see that. Now, when did you first start playing? I started playing at the age of, of nine. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, it started, uh, you know, in grade school, and then one day I was just waiting for mom and dad to pick me up and okay. just happened to be on the court, and there it was. Like that, huh? Yeah. Okay. And then did you play travel ball as a youth? No. So what I did was I, um, it wasn't really no travel ball at that, at that time. Okay. So we, okay. we jumped the gate and okay. we, we played in the nearest, you know, local community school. You, right. you went and you played and um, I watched Magic Johnson and the Lakers Showtime okay. on KCAL 9 and gotcha. put the uh, cassette tape in a VCR, recorded every game. And Is that really what you did? That's what I really did. And that's wow. how I learned how to just learn moves. And then okay. I went to the park and I just tried to mimic all those moves. And to this day, I still have those VHS cassettes. Right. Oh, you've kept them? I kept them all. Okay. So now you sounded like my relatives who still got VCRs in the garage. <laughs> and I'd be like, when are you ever going to use this again? Why? They probably hey, I got tapes. My grandmother, rest in peace, before she passed away, had one of the first microwaves in her garage. And I'm thinking, like, you're never going to use this again. It's okay to get rid of it. Hey, but that being said, that's amazing because... Um, remembering you play, I would have perceived that you went to camps and you were doing the skills drills with people all the time, but you really developed that skill set on your own. Just watch, yeah, just watching that era and going out there and, and just mimicking what I saw. So, uh -huh. you know, back then it was a more fundamental game, right? Right, right, real life. That, that's just what I, what I saw and I, I loved magic. Okay. So I loved passing the ball and... Uh, just playing the right way and playing within my box. Right, you know? right, Not right. overdoing things and yeah. playing together as, as, with a group of guys and playing team right. ball. So I got you. Much, so. Hey, then that being said, I got a couple things I'd like to touch on. But based on that, how do you feel about how, you know, and I'm not trying to ask a leading question, but just how do you feel about how you see the game played today? Because for someone to play with so much fundamental, and one of the first things you said is, um, and I feel the same way. I played during a time where there was a value to your ability to pass the ball and get your teammates involved. And now oftentimes it seems like 
the only thing valued, even amongst coaches, not just youth, not just their parents, but it's just this individuality and it's all about scoring. It has nothing to do with your teammates. I, at least that's my perception. How do you feel about where the game is now? Um, I mean, the game has grown globally, right? And and the beauty of it is it's, it's a lot of a lot of kids are, are playing. Right, yeah, there. So yeah. So that's the beauty of it, yes. right? So as a coach now, I just try to find my niche. Gotcha, gotcha. I try to find the kids that's going to follow my values and right. my principles, which right. is being fundamentally sound, playing, playing together as a team. So uh, I, I don't like the way the game is played, but mm-hmm. I know there's a huge transition now into the way kids are training, and right. it's about their individual skill set. So what I say is be be selfish for us as being an individual, right. getting in the gym. Gotcha. But once that's over and it becomes to a team concept, you got to play together with your group. Right. So right. you can be selfish. But there's moments and times when to be selfish. So I, I try to explain that, hey, if you want to get to the gym every day and, and shoot for two or three hours, go ahead, because I'll be the first guy there to open up the gym for you. Wow, yeah. Because I want yeah. you to be that yeah. way. And that's how Kobe was. Yeah. He was selfish at mastering his craft. So when a guy that's not working on his game right. wants the ball, he's like, you don't deserve the ball right. because you don't work hard enough. Right. You're not going to compete with me, at least, yeah. Right, yeah. so I, I, I get it, I understand it, but, okay. you know, there's so many kids out there, so I just try to find the right pieces. Right. Hey, and you do because of this. This is what I see. you, And, I, and because you brought up Kobe in a second, I have to touch on that, too, because it's the first podcast I've done since... Uh, his tragic uh, passing and, you know, along, oh no, it's not, it's just a second, along with the people who were with him. But uh, I want to touch on that Mamba mentality and as it relates to uh, basketball and life in general. But, okay, first, is it okay with you, man? Is it going to make you want to leave if I tell you, like, I'm part of your fan club? Because I am. <laughs> no, man. Hey, because I got to tell you what you do, my brother. I'm a critic to this game. So partly um, where I'm from, upstate New York in Buffalo, basketball wasn't a sport for me it really was a religion and I know that's a strong word to put on it but that's really what it was and um so there was something about not just playing ball but playing the right way also uh you know coming from a family that uh is just so heavy in the sports you know you know my biological father is is, that's what he's done the past 30 years as coach my brother's currently a coach uh in the uh in the NBA and so therefore when we talk we're you know the conversation is going to relate to sports and to basketball ultimately. So one of the things I see that you do that really stands out to me, and I don't even know if the average eye could pick it out when they watch basketball, but you teach your kids how to play basketball. Like they actually know how to play basketball when a lot of parents would never know your kid don't know how to play basketball. Your coach taught your kid how to run some plays and then they might compete in certain divisions where they can win. But then I'll see parents frustrated later on when their kids don't compete at certain levels. Like, well, you know, my kid's the best shooter and uh, your kid is a great shooter, but your kid don't know when to shoot. They don't know how to play the game of basketball. Um, they know how to run some sets, some plays, but they don't know how to play the game of basketball. And you've taken young people who other coaches might overlook and feel this isn't the most physically talented or physically gifted person. And you'll put five kids on the court who will run some people off the floor because they know how to play the game of basketball. Right. And and I really applaud you for that because the truth is you don't have to do that because most parents and most people who watch the game who think they know the game but don't really know the game don't know the difference. So I see the effort and I understand the effort it must take in terms of investment and really teaching people to have an IQ for the game of basketball. Yeah, I have to thank um, probably a lot of the coaches that – I've been able to work under uh-huh. and play for. Gotcha. So um, all all those qualities and principles and values, they put that in, in myself, and then I was able to pass it along. So they taught me the right way how to do things on right. and off the court. Right. So now I'm just passing that knowledge. So that's that's what I know. Um, being in the right spot, uh, being in triple threat every time because. You know, when you watch Steve Kerr and those Warrior teams back in the day, they're just playing great basketball. Yeah, yeah. And it helps because they had so much freaking talent. But, right. But it's playing the right way, you know, moving yeah. the ball, taking the right shot. What's a good shot? What's a bad shot? Yeah. And 
the kids I have, which you've seen, that just takes hours and hours and hours, but it's emphasized every day. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not emphasizing because this is the only way we can play, and this is the only way we're going to stay on the court with these guys. We can't get up and down. We can't go shot for shot. We got to beat them with a mental game. And over the past few years, I've been very successful. And we may not win every time, but, you know, the moral victories and just, you know, people come in the gym laughing at us and thinking we're going to lose by 20. And, hey, we're down there to the last possession. Right. Competing. Competing. competing, Playing hard and just battling. And a lot of it is just, you know, they're they're great kids and they come from great families and homes as well. So. Oh, hand in hand. Hey, but such a blessing because I think in the end, what people have to remember is that um, athletic sports, whether it's youth basketball or any sport, it it basically ends at some point. At some point, you're going to have to transition from playing at a competitive level as it relates to um, organized structures with institutions to perhaps uh, playing recreationally, maybe finding high-level leagues to compete in on a recreational level, but the reality is it technically comes to an end. So one of the things I've always tried to emphasize just repetitively and redundantly is, you know, what is really the goal? Because if if you could teach kids how to compete, well, what people don't realize is that's going to transition into life. Because if you want to survive in life, you're going to have to learn how to compete. Right. It doesn't it just doesn't matter what environment you're going to have to learn how to compete. You're going to have to learn how to get the best out of yourself. And so one of the things now I can touch on that Mamba mentality, I think, you know, I understand why Kobe's passing and the tragic nature of it affected so many people. And at the same time, I will be honest, there is a little bit of cynicism on my part and maybe annoyance that so many people are commenting on, uh, you know, like. Mamba mentality or mamba and I'm thinking to myself like stop you don't have a mamba mentality right. in anything you do in life like and and you know I man who am I to be so critical but who I am is someone who had to work hard and and I'm talking about obsessively hard to get where I am in life and to get out of where I was in life so I really understand what it is to work when you're by yourself and no one's present and no one's watching you and no one's there to applaud you and no one cares but you have an understanding of the outcomes you desire and that this is the work ethic required. So there's a part of me that's cynical because it's like, I don't really like lazy people and a lazy person can't like me. How could you like me? Right. You, you can't like me. I have to, I'm the type of person who would annoy you because it's like, why is he still working? Or if you lazy, even at practice, I would annoy you because it's like, look at him going so hard in practice. He, you know, so... So for that reason, I bring that up in part because you are an intense coach, too. You're very demanding. You expect a lot, but I understand why. You know, how how do – that's my observations. How do your players interpret you? Am I the only one who sees you that way? Or? Uh, no, they they actually um, – you know, it's, it's funny because when I started at Show Have It, which was an Orthodox Jewish school, and uh, maybe 2010, I was there for five years. Okay. And – they didn't know what they was getting. Okay. And they was always used to uh, coach rolling the ball out and just letting them scrimmage at practice. So gotcha. We, I came in there saying, no, this is what we're going to do. We have our feet here. We're going to get 15 feet out, square up, triple threat, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they hated me. They hated me. Wow. And it wasn't. Like he messing up the game. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, we're not used to this. And yeah. he's micromanaging everything. But it wasn't until they start to really understand how to play, then I let go. Yeah. You know, because yeah. now yeah. It, you're, you're like Steve Kerr said, you know, it's not a coaching is not controlling. You just kind of you're guiding them. Yeah. yeah. So once yeah. I started yeah. to teach them how to play, then it was it was all them. Right. Here's a few turns here and there, but yeah. it's on you. You don't have to manage each possession. Right. Because you've already prepared them how to execute and operate in that moment. Right. Yeah. Right, and and you know, and I always tell them too. You know, uh, talent tells you basically what you can do, but yeah. motivation is different, right? So right. when you when you're talented, it just says these are the things you can do because you can run, jump, and this and this. But motivation decides what you can do. Yeah. So when I go to practice every day and I motivate them, then yeah. you know you're gonna work hard because I'm motivating you. Because eventually the talent will run out. Yeah, and that's yeah. the difference with Kobe because not only is he talented, but he was so motivated, right? Yeah, and he was driving yeah. him to get in the gym every day. And you put two and two together, 
right. looking at a, right. Ooh, right. a tough guy to handle, right? Yeah. That's right. So I told him we don't have the talent, but as they all say, yeah. that motivation, that work ethic, it beats it. Right. So yeah, they they didn't like it at first, but they they end up loving me once. Yeah. Hey, the wins start piling up. And they start breaking these uh, records and stuff and right, advancing right. to these, these rounds that they've never seen. So right. it, it became a, a big family. And, and watching, no doubt watching your children have the experience of feeling competent at something. Because when you go into anything feeling competent, that is a whole different feeling to go in there feeling unsure of yourself, uncertain of yourself. So at the end of the day, that's what all of us as parents, one of our kids, the opportunity for them to grow and their feelings of competence, their self-efficacy, um, their esteem, and their sense of value for themselves. And that's what I think more people should understand that, okay, that could be the goal of youth athletics, to, for your kids to get that experience out of it versus just winning games or, you know? Correct, yeah. Because, you know, you've seen the teams, right, um, over the past few years. Uh, you know, my best guy is uh, Mieone, who went to Yale, okay. went to Viewpoint, Gotcha. Went to Yale. Now he's with the Utah Jazz as a two-way player. Wow. And then there's Max Heidegger, local Porter Ranch kid, Chatsworth kid. Goes to Crespi, then goes to Oaks Christian, but from there goes to UC Santa Barbara. Thousand-point score, Jordan Cohen. You know, Lehigh goes to Campbell Hall. I mean, these are kids that nobody wanted to touch. Wow. And now these wow. kids are, are having, they're going to get educated. They have yeah. great degrees. Yes. And they're going to have a successful yeah. life. And that's right. what game timers, I believe, right. just installed in them. Hard work, right. discipline, dedication, yeah. loyalty. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Real life. Real life. Hey, <laughs> that's real life, too. So you, you just, uh, I just experienced chills to some degree when you said that because more than just the game, it was even the institutions you named. Like some people don't understand, like they're in large part set just because the institutions they're about to be at. Then they also were able to have that structure of participating in athletics. When you go in, into an institution like that and you compete for them as an athlete, oh, when you lead, they want to see you success successful. They're going to get behind you and push you as it relates to supporting you in society because in large part, you're the face of the institution. He right. participates in, in athletics at our school. So those young men, you know, even if you don't make it to the league, Oh, no, they've just accomplished something special in life, you know? Yes, and they're going to meet alumni, and yeah, the alumni yeah. is going to give them great jobs after right, they're done, and right. their life is already lined up. So if the NBA isn't there, which is, I'm sure, the path they want to go, but right, they right. also got a second path, which is right. great, and it's going to take care of their future. So, you know, we, we, we just ran a, a good, solid academy organization whatever you want to call it and yeah. i mean but it was like four or five times a day okay oh wow. i mean hours okay but four or five times a week okay gotcha so gotcha. we were like a, a okay. high school team okay they had to wear practice jerseys they had game jerseys yeah. and they didn't go to their you know dances and okay they made sacrifices they made sacrifices to yeah. be in the gym yeah. and yeah. they were waking me up to go in the gym they were spending the night at my home and wow. they knew who wow. my daughter was it was okay. there at birth so okay. i mean those those kids yeah. were special and um i have to say you know they yeah. they earned it it wasn't all me but they actually right. put in the time and they 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 made it yeah. for themselves and i'll say your kids have been uh loyal to you and likewise you've been loyal to them cuz like you said I'm sure they can recount that, hey, I wasn't highly touted. It was, hey, a bunch of people wasn't knocking down my door to get to me. And so now after they accomplished a certain level of success and other people will have an interest in them, I can see why they remain loyal to you. you yeah, know? and that's, that's funny you say that because once they left game timers, and at that time I was really doing maybe third grade to eighth. And then gotcha. once those kids left me, who I mentioned, they went on to play for the BTIs okay, or the gotcha. Compton yeah. Magics, which yeah. then said, hey, you come to me because I can give you some exposure. Right. So right. then they're taking credit on social media now for my kids, right. which I laugh, right. but right. I don't I don't say nothing about it because I have old pictures that I right. can post right. that this right. kid was eight or nine right. years old. Working with from you. the grassroots, and yeah. even to this day, I'm going to watch them play, and there's hugs and love from the family. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that that loyalty, man, it was, it was every day, yeah. nonstop, and played in three or four different yeah. leagues. Um, 
and they, they tr- we trusted each other. The trust yeah. was there. You know, another thing, and I hope parents really get this point, too, because one of the mistakes I see parents make is, uh, and this happens to my father, too, because for the team he's had uh, over the past several decades out in the D.C. area, um, once kids got to a certain level, he'd lose some of them to the local Nike sponsor team, which at the time was the D.C. Assault. And he just kind of understood it's just a process and it's no love lost. But what happens is this. So, yeah, once you get to a certain talent level, if someone can offer you more exposure because they have a corporate sponsor, I get that. But what's what strikes me as being a mistake is the parents who your kid's not ready for that. And so you want to go put your kid on this team just because of the name when you don't realize your kid go get lost over there. Your kid should be somewhere with someone who has uh, an emotional investment in their well-being is willing to help them develop. Because just letting your kids sit on the bench so you can say they play for that team, when that team is not really developing people, that team gives exposures to people who um, are already capable of performing at a certain level. I see that as a mistake a lot of parents make. Yeah. Yes, and, and what ends up happening is after leaving the program, they come back, and now yeah, you're starting yeah. all over, right? Yeah, yeah. And trying to yeah. build this kid back up. And, right, right. And unfortunately, you don't have that window's closing. You don't yeah. have that much time. Quickly. Quickly, quickly right, quickly. to get yeah. him back to where he was. So I never... You know, felt like the kid was married to me. I was married to the kid. Yeah. But I was comfortable saying, okay, I did my job. You did your job. Right. Here you go. Right. But right. I also let parents know, like you said, because it's about not also getting exposed. Yeah. Right? In yeah. those situations yeah. to where yeah. you're just sitting on the bench and, and um, or you're out there and those, yeah. those holdbacks are just welling you out. You know, yeah. just tearing your butt up. So you, you don't want that situation right. either. So... I would always just try to create, that's when you have to be in C teams and put them in an environment where they can still get me, right? but still get a lot of playing time yeah. as well and not play with your buddy. Because that was the hardest thing trying to, Max is moving along, even though you guys grew up neighbors, yeah, yeah. but he's moving yeah. along. So you got to yeah. cut that relationship short. Sometimes even when I had twins, that's I tell deep. The parents, right? That's deep. I tell the parents he's got to go here, and wow. this one's got to go here. So huh? I've had that on numerous occasions too. So hey, that's how real it is because <laughs> a parent has to be willing. You have two children, and the irony is when you say twins, there's an automatic uh, thought process. Together, all yeah, the time, right? together. <laughs> And even if it's not conscious, there's this kind of subconscious belief that they're just going to develop at the same pace and at the same time. And that's not always the case. No. And so as a parent, you have to still treat them as individuals and be willing to do what's best for both of them. Right. And, then, and, then, and then as they get older, too, and we talked about fundamentals and we talked about team. But then I believe at some point, probably around maybe sixth or seventh grade, then your coach has to be now targeting what you're going to be special at. So there's yeah. a, you have to be a specialist at something. Something. You know, yeah. now everybody's not going to be fortunate to be LeBron James and yeah. be well-rounded. Yeah. And yes. then you have Danny Green who can just hit the three in the corner. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have Patrick Beverly who just locks you down 94 yeah. feet. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, what are you yeah. going to be good at yeah. at the same yeah. time, you know? Hey, what's so funny about what you're saying is, so I got to share one of the things my son is experiencing. And it's funny and it's not <laughs> funny. It's funny and it's not funny. Um, because when we talk about what are you good at, what are you great at, but then it's also what era do you exist in and how does that impact your opportunity? So one thing for me is this, I've, I've never found scoring the ball to really, to me, I hate saying this, but that's the least concern of the skill level because man, I, I score when I want to score. I ain't never really found that to be a problem. So I spent most of my time teaching my son these fundamental skills of, hey, you, man, advance the ball, move the ball. Stop being one of these kids who want to dribble up to half court just to show everybody I could dribble, but then can't handle the ball in traffic and initiate the offense for the team, right? Advance the ball, man. Take pride in D, because I kind of think that's lost now. I mean, take pride in your defense, man, because I don't care if we score 110 points. If they score 111, like, of what good was it, right? Of what good did it do? Also, hey, box out, man. Every possession, I want to see you box out. Box out every possession, man. Rebound, man. Like, um, and then, uh, but the reality is, and in fairness to him, so I'm partly responsible for, right? That's just not highly valued anymore. That's not to like 
you know, they, I've seen coaches who, you know, the game has changed. So it's, it is more offense oriented. So I've witnessed games at the high school and college and pro level where no one's boxing out and no one's saying anything about it. And I find that to be rather remarkable. Now, I know how the game goes in cycles, so I imagine at some point it'll return to people really having an appreciation for fundamental skills. But, um, you know, I just see that where there's... I've seen whole seasons go by, like for the team my son plays for, and I don't think for the whole season I ever saw a practice where they worked on defense, and I found that to be odd. So, again, just the reality that... At some point, you better become special at something. Right. You better become special. You better be good at something. You better contribute something solidly to the team. And, uh, you know, it just is what it is. Well, I feel like um, a lot of that, what you said, is true. But it also is, uh, for me, being in the game, and I've been doing this since 03 is when I started gotcha. Game Timers. Gotcha. And then oh, I Oh, dang, got, that's about 17 years. Wow. And then I uh, got into... Hair, uh, hair coaching, varsity. Right, right. Um, so I did that for about eight. Now I'm just gotcha. assistant now. Gotcha. But um, the issue, I believe, is that AAU and the travel circuit is glorified yeah. on that platform yeah. than it is high school, right? Yeah, yeah. And now it seems like anybody can go get a high school job. Yeah. So now they're hiring yeah. more of the what? AAU yes. coaches. Yes. So yes. now that's when now the game is getting sloppy on the oh, high school deep. level, that's like deep. you just yeah. said. Yeah. Because now the guys like me and the guys that like to coach, let's say, we're yeah. comical. Okay. Because we're not letting them run up and down. Gotcha. We're telling them to box out. Yeah. So they laughing. Oh, we don't want to play for that coach. All right. All and right. we're over here where we can play our game. That's deep. That's deep. You know, yeah. so... Yeah. A lot of good, yeah. better coaches are now non-existing yeah. anymore. Hey, we do live in a... Um, I've seen a coach uh, get hired at an institution that I have a relationship with for no other reason than um, almost for celebrityism, without me going into <laughs> too many details. And I was thinking to myself, like, this coach has no relationship to this demographic. He's never worked at this level. He doesn't, right? But, like, but... Do you know who he is? He says, and I be thinking to myself, like, wow, like, and it ended up being an immense failure. And you know, bless him, no, he's no longer there. And I don't wish, you know, to see the demise of anyone, but I do see where sometimes people in decision making are caught up in the same values of society that have no relationship to instruction, to teaching, to knowing how to work with this demographic, to knowing how to coach the game, and that's unfortunate. And that's where parents have to learn to be wise and the decision they're making and what is the experience you want your child to have. And also listening to your child to some degree to see what is the experience they want to good have. Point. Yeah, you know? Good point, yeah, good point. Parents don't do their homework. Yeah, yeah. They can get fooled right. in this business, yeah. you know, because a lot of guys have tattoos and can put on yeah. some shorts and yeah. are 6'3 and 6'4, right? Yeah. And pass yeah. the look test and yeah. and they've coached such and such and, and then now you're coming along and yeah. the guy doesn't really know what he's doing and like you said, at the end of the day, they're caught up in the wrong things and yeah. except for what? Really teaching these yeah. kids and developing these kids to be great young men. Hey, and when you say the like fool's gold, so this is what I witnessed this year. I wish to uh, witness a team consistently at some point in the game being up by 10, maybe 15 points. And even though they're up 10, 15 points and everybody going crazy, when you understand the game well enough, I'm sitting in the stands knowing, like, they're not going to win the game, though. <laughs> Because the team don't know how to close out the game and the coach don't know how to close out the game and this is only going to work for so long. And there's so many people who just really don't have a true in-depth understanding of the game. And you can see them being bewildered at the end, like how do, you know, walking out to gym, like stunned, like how do we lose? Do you really want to know why you're losing? Because I can explain it to you because it's going to consistently happen. And it did the entire season because the people in a position of authority don't really know what they're doing because you know where they coach? Hey, they coach on this travel circuit. But in high school basketball, they're not really proficient in what they're doing. So this is only going to work for so long, right? And then this is the thing. When they go into that locker room at halftime, these are the adjustments. So that coach, you got away with what you did 
because he knew, like, okay, we go play this out. I'm going at halftime and I make some adjustments. And guess what? After he made those adjustments, because you don't really understand the nature of this game in that way, you're not going to be capable of responding to those adjustments. And then in these crucial moments in the end, it really becomes about coaching despite the talent you do have out there. So, you know, I've just just witnessed the game suffer in that manner. But Yeah, even, you know, me coaching lower levels now, I always have parents coming up to me and saying, hey, he's – he plays 16U, and he can be a 14U kid, but he's played 16U. He's out there. He's in Vegas, and I'm trying to explain to them that it's a whole different game when yeah. you get to high school. Yeah. Everything is more detailed, structured. Yeah. Yes. You got to yes. be here. You got to do this. You got to do X, Y, Z, and they don't understand the difference yeah. between the two. So, therefore, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can't wait till the season's over to go yeah. back to their club team. And, you know, it, it, and it hurts a little bit at the same time because, you know, you, I care so much and I'm so right, passionate right, about it that right. I'm just I'm trying to will them in. Right. And, you know, right. you can't help everybody. Right. And unfortunately, they've been stuck in those environments and those systems too long to where – Hey, if he was that good, then he wouldn't be messing with me, right? right. He would be on the varsity Hey, level. real life, real life. Right. Real life. Hey, and I've learned that in life in general. So now I'm comfortable. Um, I share things with people for no other reason than feeling a sense of responsibility to be open and honest with people about what I see. But I don't do it with the expectation that anyone's supposed to respond to what I share with them. In fact, more often than not, I know they're not going to. Um, but but one of the things I'd like to share is that I've discovered is that um, so it, it goes with the seven habits of successful people. Also, um, the uh, four agreements. Right. Is that nothing's personal. So a lot of times you share things with people, they don't respond. And, you know, it, for me on a personal level, it may hurt. It may feel like, dang, how are you really not listening to what I'm telling you? But then one of the things I understand is even times when people are close to me. It's really a reflection about how they feel about themselves that they couldn't bear to believe that they're already in contact or have a relationship with someone who knows what they're talking about in part because of how they on a subconscious level feel about themselves. So they're always in search of that validating relationship from this person over here because, you know, so it kind of reminds me how, um, oh my goodness, Grace, I think I experienced this with you, the irony of it where, you know, I mentioned... Uh, the individual who one day said to me, like, yeah, yeah, I got a guy flying out here from New York this year. He's going to teach my son. And this, I'm thinking to myself, like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, like right. so is that your thoughts? Like, you're going to bring him from New York and that's what's going to, that's what's going to make the difference, huh? So it's not, you know, this, this, and that. So, you know, and, and again, so I've learned not to take that personal. That's just the way it is, man. And, and I share again and I leave it with no expectation. I'm going to share this with you so that in the end, I know. I spoke up like and I, I um, acted and with a sense of responsibility to share what I knew. And at that point, I can let go and and let the universe and you determine the outcomes, you know. Right. Yeah. Because I, I and I try to. You know, right now, when I started Game Timers, there was nine teams. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was probably the only guy really in the valley doing it. And we were doing it at a high level. And then. Uh, all these mom and pop teams start popping up all over the place. And then I saw my shortage of, of kids, but also it was because I got into high school. Gotcha. So I okay. wasn't as focused into okay. ve- developing the kids. And, but now I just, I, I speak on past experiences, mm-hmm. right? And these are the different type of ingredients that mm-hmm. I was installing in these kids before. Gotcha. Look at them now. Right. And this is all I can show you and tell right, you. Right. And if you don't want to follow this path, then... And it may not work for every kid, but it has right. worked for the kids that came in, bought in, trusted yeah, it. Bought into it. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to get you to the NBA, but I know for yeah. sure you're going to play on your high school team and yeah. you're going to be successful. Right. Real I can life. at least guarantee you that Hey, much. the only thing for certain to get someone to the NBA is going to Ticketmaster. <laughs> That's the only thing for certain. Ticket, right? That's the only thing for certain. Hey, especially now that, um, again, and I think people should shoot for whatever goals they have, but I think the other reality people have to accept is, like, when I was younger, basketball was a sport that, you know, and 
you know, I'm sensitive to how people perceive what comes out of my mouth, but the reality of how I perceived it growing up is this sport belongs to my community. So, I mean, we took it as almost a rite of passage and we took it as something we identified on a cultural level. And whereas now, and so we're, okay, whereas now the reality is basketball is a global sport. So you could be great at what you do, but the reality is you're not being styled this year. Because in style this year, they got people who play in a point guard position who are 6'6", who can do what you do. And they went and got the kid from Eastern uh, European countries, from African countries, from right. anywhere on this earth who were 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", who dream of basketball as being their way out of their um, socioeconomic conditions. And so, therefore, you really could work as hard as you want and still not accomplish that level or achieve that level. And that's just a reality. And that's not to diminish people's goals, but just to add perspective to it, because it, um, it is a lofty goal. Now, what I think is also people need to be open to more of the, the wide range of institutions they can go play at. You know, like Absolutely. everybody's not going to be a Division One athlete. Absolutely. Hey, even some of my students here, uh, I find it odd that they'll sometimes I'm like, man, I'm just gonna go on to the to the local university and walk on, like like I just do that, and I be thinking like, my brother, it's not that simple. You ain't just go walk on over there and think you go <laughs> touch the floor. You out your mind. Realize that, hey, even kids who walk on uh, and come to the community college and like, uh, yeah, and I realized like, oh, y'all think the community college level is just a continuation of high school. <laughs> like y'all don't realize that there's kids here who've been working at this their entire life. If you, so I tell them like, hey, they having an open workout, put your shoes on, your shorts and go out there. I check in with them the next day and I see that look where they know like, right. okay, it's some realities. Now, if you're still interested, guess what? I'll sit down and come up with a plan for you. Because maybe the plan is if you really desire to compete at a university, you might have to gray shirt, go to school part time for the next year of your life and just work on this craft like you're trying to be a professional. And then maybe a year from now, you can try to, you know, but a lot of people, again, aren't necessarily interested in that. But, you know, when they come back, maybe a year or two down the line, sitting in my office with their parents like, yeah, he told me you had told him he should gray shirt. I wish we understood. But, uh, like, oh, yeah, no, I hear you. I wish you did, too. Or just trusted to listen. Yes, you know? that instant gratification now, right? And that's what I yeah. was saying earlier about, you know, the loyalty and sticking with the process. Because yeah. you're right, man. It's those division twos are just as tough as those division come ones, on, right? Come on. And coaches actually have to coach on that level, so yeah. they need the yeah. right kid, yes. the right fit. Yes. And I also tell kids too, yes. those guys have jobs. They're trying to keep their monthly check. Yeah. to take care of their family so they yeah. just can't bring any old body in here so you know that it, it is it's it's not as easy as these kids think but the beauty of it is if you work hard when i know i was growing up it was pretty much division one or nothing right 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 now these kids can go to division two II, division three and yeah. yeah. and if you don't make the nba you got the g league or you got overseas yeah. yes. overseas yes. level a b or yes. c yes so yes. basketball is, is there for yeah. you in your palm. It yeah. may not be the level you want, but if you have right. a passion and love for it, there's a place for you. Right, right. And the game doesn't see height. It doesn't see color. Right, It right. sees skill, man. Yeah. So if you get your butt out there and you work hard really every work day, yeah. there's a place for you. Hey, and work at some of the things that you don't see on Sports Center highlights. Work on some of the things that if you really work, see the, the brilliance behind somebody like Kobe Bryant, from my perspective, without ever watching him do anything. I ain't never watched him work out, but I just know I watched the results of it. And based on my own participation in life, I know what it takes to get there. So guess what? Do you really want to sit there and work on a jab step for hours? <laughs> Do you want to work on a jab step for hours? Right. Do you want to work for on coming out your triple threat for hours? Do you want to work on a pe a pump fake, a shot fake, a head fake, a pass fake for hours? It, those are the things it takes to be great. But guess what? You ain't going to never. But I didn't say never. But at this point, I've never. I've seen commentators discuss it during highlights of a game. But I've never seen on sports center where they like just have pure like, the highlight of his jab step, a highlight of a pump fake, a high, it got to be something real extraordinary. So that being said, those are the monotonous details that most people are not going to really work on. 
Because it really is. It's monotonous. It may drive you crazy to sit there and just work on this and this. You got to work on something to the point where it just becomes exhausting that you do it. Like, okay, I've done this. I can't possibly do this one more time. But guess what? You got to do it one more time and one more time and one more time. So I've never even watched a Kobe Bryant workout. And yet I can have respect for what I see him accomplish because I know what it takes to do that. It takes someone willing to work on the monotonous details to have that level of excellence. Right, and, and that's not glorified, like you said, yeah, on yeah. Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah, that's yeah. not glorified. And, you know, you watch Duke just take down, uh, I mean, sorry, Virginia just take down Duke this past yeah. weekend. Okay. And what did Virginia do? Shot fake. Yeah. Shot fake. Yeah. Fundamentals. Yeah. Screens. Yeah. Roles. Yeah. You know, where most teams, they, they I heard a, a commentator last night, stop giving the ball a headache. Because you're dribbling too much. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, yeah, I thought yeah. that was interesting. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Hey, the, the ball's got a headache. Pass yeah. the ball. Motor rock. Motor rock. Motor rock. Right. That's all Virginia yeah. did. And they, and they ended yeah. up taking down Duke. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm sure that's emphasized in practice. Yeah. Shot fake. Shot yeah. fake. Shot fake. Jab step. Jab step. Jab step. Mm-hmm. Hey, and it's such a grind. But again, that's the reality of what it's going to take to be successful at whatever other path you take in life, too. So it really just becomes about us developing a standard of excellence in anything you do. Right. And I wish more people could really understand that about athletics because, you know, I'm working with a group of people who, if they've come to the community college level, it's usually for a reason. And sometimes I feel bad because, I, as, you know, some of the athletes, young athletes I work with are just these amazing people, great people that just didn't get the opportunity they wanted. But then there's some who, if you end up here, then immediately I want you to begin to engage on some level of self-reflection on, okay, why are you here? If it's either you couldn't compete on in terms of the specific sport you're engaged in or you're not conducting yourself appropriately in the classroom and getting your work done. So you can't come here and just carry on business as usual and think like, no. So you either got to work a little harder in the classroom so we get our grades or or where is your work ethic? You don't train. You don't work out. In which case, are you only here to hide from growing up? <laughs> you know, I had to tell some of my student athletes, hey, this is what you should do. I tell them, I'm like, you should go get a job and stop going to school. And then they be looking at me like, ah. I'm telling them, I'm not trying to rain on your parade or something, but I'm just giving you a taste of reality that my perception of what you're doing is there. You're not really here to end up at this outcome. It's just that the alternative is to go move forward in life. And you're not prepared to do that. So it sounds good to say you want to come to school and be a student athlete, but you don't go to class. You don't do your work. You don't train. So you can't really convince me that that's what you really want to do, right. you know? And I hear Coach say this uh, all the time. It's, it's, you know, just picture a funnel, he says, and everyone can jump in, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone can jump inside that funnel and, hey, let's go. But then at the bottom, it gets skinnier, right? Mm-hmm. And only the great yeah. ones squeeze yeah, out life, of there, right? And those are the ones you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, schoolwork, the yeah. discipline, right? Um, going to class and, and going to the gym every day and right. good at good at and just everything they do they have a schedule and structure yeah. right. where the other ones they hang up hang up top or they just fall out they never make right. it to the bottom right. because you, you just it's, it's, it's just not the game it's life you know it's day to day day to day life and that's why I think I was so successful with the show heavy kids because their daily structure man they got to be at school at 7 o'clock in the morning they're not done to about four. Wow. And then you're talking about you got to see coach. Yeah. Now you got this type of coach, me, coming yeah. in. And you yeah. got me for two hours, more discipline. Yeah, yeah. So those kids were already kind of groomed, yeah. yeah. you know, for success. Right. You know, and think about kids that can't play on a Friday night. So they'll never experience what a 7 p.m. game is, yeah. packed gym. Right. So, because they shut down for Shabbat and then don't come back out to, you know, Saturday around 6 p.m. Gotcha. or 7 p.m. So, when they get in the gym, man, it's like, hey, I'm yeah. loose. I'm ready to go. So, I tell all the other guys, like, you guys don't even take advantage of yeah. what you got and the opportunities and the things you can do. So, I think that also gave us an advantage because they were just, like, ready to come out that cage, man, and just go to town on you. Hey, without and this is without without the likely expectation for many of them that basketball was going to be their career or their outcome in life, 
You got me? Correct. And that's what's so amazing. Now, when you mentioned that, one of the things we discussed earlier uh, before we started the podcast, and this speaks to your level of being exceptional, is you may be the only person I've known who's been on the coaching staff at multiple schools during the same season. I, I don't even know what question to present from that. I just know to state it, you know, like how, how did you manage that? Cause I know you're so intense that you don't want to have to do anything. So that means it's already draining to be a coach. So that means you're trying to give 110% with two different programs. Yeah. That it started. Um, I would say um, I was coaching game timers and a lot of game timer kids was graduating and going mm-hmm. to Calabasas. Gotcha. So mom was like, Hey, we got to make sure you're, you're going with us. Okay. Well, I have game timers. And then I was also doing show heavy because I started at Sierra Canyon. That was my first okay. head coaching job. Oh, for real? Oh, yeah. Okay, Sierra okay. Canyon. I was a head coach from 2008 to 2010. Okay. okay. And they were getting ready to make the changes they're making now okay. to be right, nationally right. known. And you, what level were you the head coach? I was coach? a varsity coach there oh, were for you? two years and okay. had a great first year. Uh, maybe got them to the third round. Okay. Okay. And then got them to the finals in my second year. Oh, wow. And a okay. state appearance, but then ended up going to show heaven. Okay. Sierra was going in a different direction. And at that time, I was already involved in show heaven, getting paid great money. And a parent from Calabasas says, hey, man, we need you over here, too. Okay. And John Pilars at the time was like, we're never going to get him. He's too qualified to coach lower levels. Okay. Not knowing the kind of guy I am, I just want to coach yeah, and I'm help the youth, the right? Yeah, yeah. Plus, they're my boys from game timers. I'll definitely be there. Let's just figure out how to work around so heavy schedule, right. which I had a lot of time anyway with the holidays and whatnot gotcha. in their schedule. Gotcha. So he worked with me. I worked with him. And we had a that year I took Shoheva to the finals in 2014. Okay. Lost in Calabasas actually won in 2014. Oh, so wow. we had an amazing wow. year. Okay. And then now I'm doing TAF and Village. Right. And I have a you know kid. So it's 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 a so lot of work, I, but I. when you love what you do, man, it right. ain't it ain't work, man. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I really love uh just the grind and like Kobe said, it's the it's the it's the everyday journey of it. It ain't the end result. It's just getting yeah. up every day and seeing them get better. And, and it sounds fun. cliche, but it really is about the journey. Yeah. More so than the destination, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. So that being said, it's this individual who has had a head. I didn't even know that, right? So I knew the head coach position at Calabasas. I knew now, okay, I'm aware of head coach position at. Say the name of the school so I don't. Show Havoc. Show Havoc. Okay. And uh, I like respecting culture so much. I want to put the Havoc. <laughs> Havoc. You know, I just want to demonstrate that my regard for for culture. Um, also, Sierra Canyon, you Sierra mentioned, Canyon. you've been there. Uh, Taft, Taft and uh, Village, Christian, Village Christian, and your program and Game Timers. Yeshiva, uh, which is... Oh, Bet Yeshiva? Is, am I saying it right? Bet? So it's basically Eula, which oh. is the rival of Shohabit. So okay. my parent oh, brought wow. me in and wanted me to help out. Oh, after my transition from Calabasas, yeah. so I was gotcha. an assistant, and believe it or not, uh, Jim Clemens was uh, my my other assistant. So he was my partner. So we were both assistants at Eula, who wow. coached for you wow. know the Lakers and Phil Jackson. Okay, okay. So we were both there. So learned a lot from him. Oh, you've been grinding, my brother. You've been <laughs> grinding. Hey, but that being said, that explains how you know your craft. Hey, and you do know your craft. That's one thing. And, and I'm real sensitive. I, don't, I can't speak on everybody because I wouldn't because I have a huge regard for myself. So you don't speak on that. But you, my king, you know your craft. You know your craft. You know Thank what you're you. doing. That being said, as we wrap up, if there was any bit of information you were going to share with a student athlete, with a parent that you felt was imperative, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just setting the stage, right? I don't want to put make this right. But let's say you, you're taking your last breaths as a coach or as a human, right? And you just want to share with people because you feel like, hey, you need to know this. What is it you'd want to share? Um, just, you know, work hard, you know, work hard and give it your best and give it your all. And don't let a day go by where you're not doing something toward that craft, whether it's basketball right. or whether it's studying or whether it's being an actor. You should be studying every day, and that's right. what I do. So I listen to basketball podcasts. I watch ESPN. I'm YouTubing. Okay. I got a coaching for Netflix uh, subscription on championship okay. productions. Okay. So every day I'm falling asleep with basketball going oh, on my. on my mind because I have to be a student. 
especially in this day and era, you got to keep up because right. it's constantly changing. So just constantly just keep educating yourself and looking for self-improvement every day, reading. And then for the parents, just, just do your homework. Yeah. You know, do your homework um, before you enter a program. You know, do the research, see the coach's resume, his body mm -hmm. of work, his background, uh, their style of play. Gotcha. You know, the history. You just, you just, and it's not hard. And if not, you know, you can easily just call people as well. And, right. and, and, you but know, do your research, do your homework. Do your research, do your homework. Okay. Hey, now, if, uh, if people want to look at your program, if they want to look you up, are you on social media? Social media, yes. I'm on Instagram, Game Timers, G-A-M-E. T Y M E R S. Gotcha. So game timers, timers with the Y with instead the y. of the I. Right. Okay. And then on Facebook as well. And Facebook, no. yeah, game timers. Okay. On okay. Facebook and Twitter, and you know I'm not a real social media guy. Right. right. I don't really. But like, they can they can find you. There. But they can find me, and okay. since everybody's doing it, if you're not doing it, you're gonna be yeah, behind. Exactly. <laughs> hey, no. Hey, watch this. And as a, as an instructor, as a counselor, as a professor. I had to accept that because I'm very private. Yes. I don't want people knowing all my business, right. right? So I like being anonymous. I like anonymity, right? But then at a certain point, my students started asking me, like, Ms. Robeson, you on there, right? right? Where you at? Where you? And I had to realize, like, okay, that's important to them and even to stay in touch with me when they're gone. Now, you're not oftentimes going to see me telling you what I ate for dinner. Right. But, you know, at the same time, it is what it is, and I'm not knocking Correct, that yeah. either. I don't, I don't have know? a personal anything, so yeah. it's all game timers okay. related. Cause I, so I, you don't check in at your restaurant. You're not, we're not going to no. know where you're at eating. <laughs> okay, I got it. That's real life. That's real life. Hey, I'd like to thank you. I know how busy you are. Um, we appreciate you you sharing such insightful information with us. And again, I, I think it's important, my brother, and I try to do this anyway when I talk to you, but my regard for you is genuine. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 48 this year. I'm nearing 50, right? And I've lived enough years to willingly express to people when I have a I've, I've watched you live your grind, my young king. I've watched you grow from an adolescent into a man. I've watched you, hey, you had to deal with your bumps and bruises. Right. I've dealt with my bumps and bruises, right. real ones that I have right. to live with. You got me? Right. And I've watched you do it. I watched you do it with your head up, with pride, with dignity, my brother. And that's to be respected. That's to be respected. So I just really appreciate you. I have a huge regard for you, Cole, and you quite an exceptional individual. And we appreciate you sharing with Thank us. Thank you, man. Much love. Yeah, it goes back to when I was about, what, 14, when going to yeah. Winneka Park yeah, and yeah. playing yeah. ball with you, man. And, you know, just growing up. And, yeah, you, you watched me through this journey, man. And you always show me love. And every time we see each other's love and hugs man yeah. so i appreciate you having me today and thanks for inviting me and yeah. we'll do it again sometime hey and shouts out to grace grace our producer grace kills he was able to lock him in you know see exceptional hey that's a wrap people you just witnessed two kings talking thank you for listening to king talk we'll see you next time Bye -bye.